I want to talk to you today about the power of this biblical concept, and that is to be immersed. Everybody say immersed. Now, let me help everybody. The Bible is actually written in two different languages. The Old Testament primarily is written in what's called Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And the actual word, so when you're reading the Bible and you see in the Bible, you see this word, you see the word baptized or baptism. You see that word, okay? In English, if you're reading an English Bible, well, the Greek word, we're deriving from the Greek, right? The Greek word for baptism, if you see it, it's baptizo. Now watch this, watch this. The literal translation of the Greek word baptizo, where we get the English word baptism, literally means immersed. To go all the way in. To go all the way in what? We're going to talk about that today. So when I talk to you about immersed, it means all in. Everybody say all in. And the reality is this biblical concept, it's found all throughout. Old Testament, New Testament. There's pictures in the Old Testament. Whether the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, passing through the Red Sea. In a sense, that's a, that's a picture. That's a picture as the water goes up and they pass through that. Just like when the children of Israel came and they crossed the Jordan River. And it's a picture of coming through water, coming through. And they come to the other side. And there's a, watch this, a transformation that takes place. By the way, immersion in the Bible is never just figurative. Something substantial and transformational takes place. The New Testament actually talks about three types of baptisms. I want everybody to lean in on this point. Three types. Number one, baptism in Christ. Number two, baptism in water. And number three, baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you over these next three weeks about being immersed. Everyone say immersed. Being immersed or being baptized. What? In Christ. In water. Many of you were baptized even this weekend at our church, in water. We believe in what's called believer's baptism. By the way, people ask me, this is next week's message, but I'll just give you a little taste. People ask me all the time, well, Pastor, you know, should I be baptized? You know, as a kid, I was. Here's what I would say. Peter says, believe and be baptized. Prior, watch this, prior to you being baptized, did you exercise belief? In other words, if you were not at an age where you didn't exercise belief, guess what? Then if you've believed, then you need to be, quote, baptized. In water, submerged. That's next week's message. But today, I want to talk to you that there's actually three baptisms. Not just one. Immediately, you guys think, well, baptism's in water. Well, that's one of them. It's the predominant one we hear about. Think about Jesus for a moment. Jesus was going down to the Jordan River one day, and he saw his cousin. What was his cousin's name? John the what? John the... Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus saw John. John saw Jesus, vice versa. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God. What, watch this. What was Jesus? Jesus came up to John. John literally submerged, immersed Jesus. He put Jesus underwater and he came out. But something else happened. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came and rested. He watches, came and rested upon Christ. Do you know that the Holy Spirit not only comes to live inside of you as a Christian, but comes upon you? You can actually be, watch this, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about three distinct 
baptisms. Baptism in Christ, baptism in water, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. We can be immersed in God. Sometimes the things that we're struggling with in life, we don't realize the mosquitoes, the challenges, when we're all in and get immersed in God, doesn't mean they go away, but they lose their power to affect you. They lose their effectiveness in your life. Matter of fact, in the Great Commission, what we would call the Great Commission, when Jesus, one of his last words in Matthew chapter 28, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing, there's the word again, in English, Greek, trans, Greek word baptizo, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's all throughout the scripture. This concept of baptism. Baptism in Christ. Baptism in water. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Three months ago... I lay out my messages just for you guys that maybe are interested. I actually do a year planning. And when I, I plan out different topics, I want to talk about different books of the Bible, different things. And, and I'll change it probably 20% of the time I'll change it. So, so I line it out. And as I came into this year, I read a scripture and this thought went through my mind. And I just started meditating upon it. And I really begin to understand that there's actually in a scripture, and I'm going to show you in just a moment, 1 John chapter 5, verse 8, where John, the apostle, actually outlines, delineates, places very clearly for us to see. There is three distinct witnesses, three distinct experiences that are important for all of us to experience. Here it is, 1 John chapter 5, verse 8. Watch this. And there are three that bear witness on the earth. Three that bear witness. They testify. What are they? Number one, the spirit. Number two, the water. And number three, the blood. And these three all agree as one. John, the beloved, the apostle, is showing us that there are three dynamics. There are three experiences. There is the spirit. There is water. And there is blood. Matter of fact, Jesus experienced two of the three. He didn't have to die for himself. But we get to experience all three of them. We get to be, quote, watch this, baptized into Christ, which means we come through the blood of Christ. But not only are we forgiven, we're actually transformed. There's an immersion in Christ when you come to Christ. But number two, when you submit to believer's baptism, you are immersed in water. But number three, when you want to be an effective witness for Christ and you cry out for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you are immersed in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in Christ, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are three that bear witness. Question, question, have you been baptized in Christ? Have you given your heart to Christ? I'm not talking about water baptism yet. Number two, for those of you that are Christians, have you, quote, been baptized in water. I'm talking about, have you been immersed in water? Christians, maybe you're lacking power in your life. Maybe you're lacking that effective dynamic to be a witness for Christ. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? There are three distinct experiences. Baptized in Christ, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk to you about the first baptism. I want to talk to you about what it means to be baptized into Christ. I could say it this way. Not only when we get baptized in Christ, we are immersed in Christ, but actually our identity changes. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Romans chapter 6, verse 3. This is a fascinating study. 
Get ready over the next three weeks. We are diving into the scripture. I want to talk to you today about a new identity. What happens to us when we are baptized into Christ? Not in water, that's coming, but baptized into Christ, meaning we're immersed in Christ. A lot of scripture in the New Testament talks about in Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, here's what Paul said. Paul says, or do you not know that as many of us as were, what's that next word? Say it, say it, baptized. Listen, into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. This is not talking about water baptism. This is not talking about when somebody confesses to the whole world, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going under the water. This is talking about when you give your heart to Christ, you are actually immersed in Christ. This is where a lot of Christians miss it. They, what I would call, shortchange the gospel. What do I mean by that? Let me be real clear. A lot of people think that Christianity, the gospel is about just getting your sins forgiven. Absolutely, that's base one. You come to Christ, you can't save yourself. You can't forgive yourself. You come to Christ, your sins are forgiven. But can I tell you something? Life is then not about this just forgiven sinner trying as hard as they can until they make it to heaven. When you come to Christ, you actually are immersed. You're picked up out of the world and you're placed into Christ. What does that mean spiritually speaking? It literally means on the inside you become a new person. Not just forgiven of your sins. How many times do we, what I would say, not live in the fullness of what God has for us because our perspective and our perception of what actually happened to us. If you just think, I'm just a broken down sinner and I'm just kind of just barely, I'm going to try real hard until I get to heaven. Well, yeah, you, 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 you are forgiven of your sin when you confess Christ, but there's actually, a, there's an exp, objectively and subjectively, there's a transformation that takes place in your life. You're picked up out of darkness and your place into light and light now dwells on the inside of you by the person of Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. I want to build a case here. Paul says, for as many of you who were baptized into, everyone say it, Christ, have put on Christ. I want to say this again. I want every location to hear me. When you give your heart to Jesus, you're not just forgiven of your sins. You actually put on Christ and you become a new person in Christ. No, I'm not suggesting you have a different personality. No, I'm not suggesting I'm still five foot, 11 and three quarters before Christ. Actually, I'm shrinking. But anyway, so somebody said that happens when you get older, but you're, you're still physiologically saying, but on the inside, you're transformed. You become a new person in Christ. The story is told of a man who was a developer and he was downtown in a big building and he walked in the cellar, was trying to sell this building. As they walked into the building, the seller repeatedly kept telling the buyer, he said, listen, they would see some windows broken and the seller's like, oh, I'm going to get those fixed. Don't worry. I'm so sorry. There's some vandals. They broke in. We're, we're going we're gonna to take care of that. The guy's like, ah, oh, all right. Next thing you know, they go into another room and they see, the, the, they see a large electrical panel. It's just like ripped out. And this, the, the cell is like, well, no, no, no. I'm so sorry about that, sir. We're, we're, we're going to take care of that too. We're, we're going to take care of that. After about 10 things the guy goes through, 
Finally, the potential buyer turns to me and goes, sir, now you, you don't understand. I'm not worried about any of that. I'm not renovating this building at all. I'm actually tearing it down. I bought it for the site for new construction. I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to say. When you gave your heart to Christ, Jesus didn't renovate you. It's actually called new construction. Old things have passed away. Behold, all. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new, everybody say new creation. You're a new, what does that mean? The life of God is on the inside of you and you now, there is God's life. You're a new person in Christ. That is transformational information to you. If you see yourself as just a broken down sinner trying real hard till you get to heaven versus a child of Almighty God who's been chosen by God, who's a new creation in Christ, born again, filled with it. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's transformational of how you see God, how you see yourself, and how you see your purpose in God. Baptized into Christ. This message is about understanding that when we are immersed in Christ, our identity changes. We're not just a forgiven person. We're a new person in Christ. You're a new man in Christ. You're a new woman in Christ. You have a new purpose. There's a new potential. And there's a battle, by the way. There is a battle in our culture over this very thing. And it's really the issue of identity. Who are you? And our culture wants to tell you, by the way, who you are. They want to define, redefine. By the way, the culture has no con. You do realize that they're making it up every day. You do realize that every day. Just, just, wait, just wait about a year or two. They're going to have new definitions. They're going to have new. Why? Because it's, a, it's all an attack on your identity as a human being and as a child of God. So don't let the culture tell you who you are. Don't let the university teacher tell you who you are. Don't let your friends tell you who you are. Don't let the news tell you who you are. Let God say who you are. What does God say about you? What does God call you? What does God say about your life? That's where we derive our identity. We derive our identity from God. So the battle is over identity. One of the things I love about the New Testament letters written by Paul is we often see the words in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? What am I doing? Pastor, why are you fired up about this series? Let me tell you why I'm fired up about it. I'm trying to get the bugs off your life. Uh, You've been believing lies. What are the bugs? It's the lies. It's the lies of the enemy. It's the lies of culture that have tried to... You know what it is? It's the enemy himself, too, that's tried to... You had this experience. It was negative when you were a kid. And let me tell you what the devil's doing. He's right there trying to reinterpret that experience to you to tell you what you're not, what you can't, what you'll never become lies to you what truth does is truth counteracts that what it does is it 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 washes when you're immersed in christ then you're immersed in water then you're immersed in the power of the holy spirit sets you on a new course one of the things i love about the new testament book of ephesians is paul goes to great length inspired by the holy spirit consistently over and over and over again reaffirm to us this concept. I want everybody to hear me, particularly those that are new Christians. This is a foreign concept, but it's a biblical concept. It's foreign to you because maybe it's when you're a Christian, you're actually placed in Christ. 
You're not just forgiven of your sin. You're in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means, you remember that little machine that we used to have at Pizza Hut in the 70s? And you put 25 cents in and you pick up the little thing and you place it over here. Can I tell you, how many know when you confess Christ as your Savior and repent and trust Christ, you're actually picked up out of darkness. You're placed in Christ and you become a new person. You're in Christ. Do you see yourself as being in Christ? Paul the Apostle goes to great lengths in the book of Ephesians, telling them over and over, you're in Christ, in him, in Christ, in Christ. In a sense, it's almost like he's saying, I know that you think it's too good to be true, but it's true. You guys ever have those things pop up on your social media that are just like, that's too good to be true. You can lose 20 pounds in one month and still eat cheeseburgers and all the ice cream you want. If you will buy this today for, and you're thinking to yourself, that's too good to be true. By the way, you know cheeseburgers were actually the manna that fell from heaven. Come on, how many of Just, all right, all right, all right, sorry. Cheesy. No pun intended. All right, here we go. You guys ever see something like this? Here, here's another one. Here's a, you guys ready? Something will pop up on your social media. For, if you'll just take five minutes every day, five minutes, you can make an extra $50,000 this month. Five minutes, $50,000? Wait, wait. Here's the best. This is a literal one. Okay, you guys ready? Here's one. Here it is. Popped up Instagram. Here it is. This is, all, this is awesome. Those other two are too good to be true. They're too good to be what? Say it. True. They're too good to be true. Okay? All right. Here it is. All right. Here, here's the best. This is a literal one. If you will put this patch on the bottom of your feet while you're sleeping, it extracts all the toxins out of your body, and you will be transformed in the morning for 1995. That is too good to be what? Say it. True. I'm so grateful that the Bible is not too good to be true. It's true because it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. So, pastor, what do you say is true? Three characteristics of who you are in Christ. Get ready. Buckle up. Here it is. We're getting ready to wash the bugs off. Wash the lies of culture. Wash the lies of an ex off of you. Wash the lies of a parent that didn't say something from God's perspective about you. Or an old girlfriend, boyfriend, a situation. Uh, we're going we're gonna to wash. We're going to wash the lies off of you. I don't do it. God's word does it. His word does it. Number one, three characteristics of who you are in Christ. Number one, in Christ. You are significant. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints. Isn't that interesting? To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Look who Paul's writing to. He's writing to the saints. Not the New Orleans saints. (laughs) But he's writing to the saints. Well, What does he say? To those that are saints. As Paul opens his letter to the church, he addresses These Christians, watch this, and he calls them saints. Now, watch this. Let me pause for a moment. Remember, Bible's written, New Testament. We're reading it in English. Some of you are reading it in Spanish, but but I'm reading it in English. The word there, the word there that I read says saints. The Greek word is hagios. Let me tell you what the word hagios means. You know what it means? Here it is. Watch this. It actually means holy ones. 
So Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus to every single man, every single person, every single woman, every single person that's reading this letter. You know what Paul's calling them? Right off the bat, independent of their performance, independent of what they've accomplished in life. You know what he says? He says, because of Christ, you are a holy one. You're Christian. I want to qualify something. That is not to suggest in any way that we do not commend, that that we lack historical perspective, that there have been great men and great women and antiquity that have done great things, both in Scripture and, and obviously we read about this in Scripture, but uh, there's also other great people that have done things, that have accomplished great things. And, and, and so they're, they're commendable and it's notable. And, and there's a certain element, not that we worship, but we, we pay honor in the sense of John Wesley was a great man. Martin Luther was a great man. Mother Teresa was a great woman. There's great people, but, but, but technically, if you want to talk about what the Bible says, every single child of God that has confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior is a hagios, a holy one, and a saint in the eyes of Almighty God. In the eyes of Almighty God. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, 64, 6, but we are all an unclean thing. All of our righteousness are like filthy rags. We're not wholly based upon our performance. It's what Christ has done for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him who knew no sin, for God the Father made Christ, God the Son, sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know what that means? Can I tell you something? We have been made righteous. I want everybody to look right here. We have been made righteous. We are. We have been made holy ones by the death of Christ on the cross. We have been made righteous. Friends, that's so powerful. How many times have we believed lies about us? We have a bad attitude. The enemy comes. You're not even a Christian. Whoa, 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 whoa. How many times the enemy wants to come and devalue, depreciate you, even people around you, diminish you, suggest that you're less than, wait a minute, child, as a child of God, you have great, infinite value to God. Let me give you an analogy. This, uh, I have a bill in my hand. This is a $20 bill. And uh, so this $20 bill, how much is this $20 bill worth? Well, in the next couple of months, it could be changing. But anyway, so I'm joking, hopefully. But anyway, so this, 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 this $20 bill allegedly has purchasing power that says its value is, 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 is $20, okay? So let me ask you this question. What if I went to this $20 and I just started yelling at it? Started screaming, you no good and I just started cursing it. And I just said, you idiot, you're stupid. You'll never be anything. Let me tell you, what if I just started yelling? Would it change the value of this $20? The answer is no. Okay, what if I, what if I crumpled it up? Well, what if I threw it on the ground? And what if I began to step on it? And what, what if I began to kick it? And, 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 and uh, let me ask you a question. Would that at any level change the value of this $20? The answer is what? Say it. No. What if I took it and actually ripped it? Okay, I'm not going to do that in church. What's my point? 
But some of you guys feel like your life has been ripped and crumpled and stepped on and abused. Maybe you literally went through a, a traumatic experience, an abusive situation in your life, whatever the age was. The enemy is a master at reinterpreting back to you what that experience means to you. And I'm going to tell you something. God is a master of unbiased earthing the lies and telling you who he is to you and who you are to him. I don't, listen to me, look right here. Regardless of what's happened to you, and I know there's some very painful things that have taken place. I'm not denying that at all. I know there's been some very hurtful things that have happened to every single person that's listened to me, but you are still significant in God. Washed by the blood of Christ, if you're a Christian, valuable to God and special to God. How many of y'all receive that? Do y'all receive that? Listen to me. Number two, in Christ, we're not only significant, but we're sufficient in God. Have you ever felt incomplete, deficient, inadequate? I know I have. You know, as a pastor, there are times where I feel as though I have to be appropriately transparent. And I, I feel like you guys sometimes, right? I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like doing. I've, on a personal level, professional level, and I get concerned. I get nerve. And, 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 and here's one of the things that I think is a danger for all of us is when you begin to, don't miss this, when you begin to reinterpret your sufficiency based upon how you feel rather than what God says. We all feel inadequate at times. Hence, this is why I love Paul writing in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's what God's done. According to this verse, God has given us sufficiency, acceptance, blessing in Christ. There's the term again. In Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. You've been baptized in Christ. You've been placed in Christ. You're not just forgiven of sin. That's the start. You're actually in Christ. You're immersed in Christ. And when you understand that you're in Christ, you're not only significant, but you're sufficient. Not in your own sufficiency, but in Christ. I think it's important that we never, ever interpret our present reality based upon our emotions. Boy, they can lie to us in Christ. The question I think we often have to ask ourselves is, what have we forgotten? Paul says that we have been blessed, past tense, in Christ. That means all that I need, what God has given me, the joy, the peace, the power, the kingdom of God. It is mine now. Reminds me of this story. The story is told of a man who deeply wanted to travel to Europe, and this is back before air travel, and of course, the days that you would do that, you would do it in a ship, a steamship often, a, and you'd cross from New York. It would often be the place of departure and arrive in Europe, and this man saved money, and he was all excited to finally have enough money to be able to go to, to Europe, but he didn't have enough money, and to buy the best ticket, he thought. So he, he, he bought the, just the entry-level ticket, he thought. I'll just get this. And so what did he do? He brought his own food on the boat. He was just happy to be on the trip. He would sit outside and eat dinner. And 
out on the deck, and, and yet he would notice the, the joy and the laughter, and, and he would look through, he'd look through the windows, and he would see through those windows, he would see, he would see the joy, and he, he would hear the singing, and, and, and it was actually a very formal event. Every night, there was a, the, the people would be dressed up, and there would be a, a spread, a banquet table, and the captain would go around and shake hands and introduce himself and meet this person and that person and this person and that person. And every night, he would sit outside, and he'd eat his own food that he'd pack, and he would just kind of look in. Finally, they arrived to Europe, and people were getting off the ship, and the captain was there shaking hands, and thank you so much, and it's good seeing you, and hope to see you again. And, and finally, the gentleman that had every night during dinner sat outside he, on the deck. The captain looked at him and said, hey, man, where, where have you been? He said, what do you mean where have I been? He goes, well, every night I, I've come down, and somebody else drives the ship so I can meet, and that's my moment to connect. And he says, oh, oh, he goes, sir, I, he goes, thank you, he says, but, but, um, I, I only had enough money to, to, to buy the entry-level ticket, and so I brought my own food. He says, oh, gosh, you totally misunderstood. He says, every single ticket, the food was included. What's the point? How many times, as a Christian, we're sitting on the outside going, I thank God I'm just forgiven of my sin, but we don't realize there's a banquet table that God has set. There's a banquet table of joy and peace and righteousness and mental sanity, and mental health, and emotional wholeness. Uh, there's, there's, there's a banquet table of kingdom power, authority over the works of darkness, God's provision, God's healing spirit, soul. And in, other words, in other words, how many times are we, are we not taking fully advantage of what Christ died on the cross? Forget, the book of Psalms says, forget none of his benefits. None of his benefits. I think one of the reasons why we often do that is because we have... We start to believe. I want to say this over and over again. We start believing that we are what we feel. So I am inadequate because I feel inadequate. No, you are not what you feel. You are what God's word says. I want to say this as a loving encouragement as a pastor. The further that you move away from this book and what God says, the further you move away from this, the further you move away from this, you will try to derive your identity from what mankind says about you rather than what God says. And you'll derive your identity from, watch this, from your feelings. Feelings come and feelings go. If I told you sometimes how I feel, I mean, I could be just, just anything, a Martian. <laughs> I thank God I am not what I feel I am what God says I am. I am what God says I am. In Christ, you are significant. In Christ, you are sufficient. Let me give you the third and final thing. You guys learn anything today? In Christ... I'm secure. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. This is a confession you have to make. You need to say, in Christ, you're secure. In Christ, as an individual, I'm secure. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. 
before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he's made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted is secure. God has, God has made us secure only in People are looking for security. They're looking. I remember I was in college, and those of you that are maybe in high school too, I can't remember. You guys remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Do you remember, remember, the, remember the bottom one? And there is some interesting insight in this. I don't believe in the self-actualization concept at the top. I believe ultimately knowing Christ is where you know yourself. But I do believe there was some truth related to this. The base level that he said of all human being need is to feel what? Safe and secure. Do you know what COVID did? COVID didn't create anything. It revealed. You know what it revealed? You know what crisis reveals? It reveals where our security is placed. I'm an advocate for financial stewardship. I'm an advocate for financial planning. I believe the Bible teaches that. But can I tell you something? If your security is in your investments or in your savings, can I tell you something? That's shaky ground. Wait, 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 wait. If your security, watch this, if your security ultimately is in other human beings, it's on shaking ground. Wait, wait, wait. If your security is in the government, it's definitely on shaky ground. <laughs> that was a little thing there. But anyway, so regardless of who's in the White House, by the way. Human beings were never designed by God to find their security Ultimately, in anything besides God himself. The Bible talks about the, Bible talks about the cosmos. The cos, you know what cosmology is? The, stu, co, the cosmos, the Greek word for world is cosma. What is it? It's the world system. It's broken. When sin entered the world, it's broken. It's fractured. Matter of fact, Paul in Romans chapter 8 talks about birth pangs. You know what we're experiencing when you see weather patterns, you see turmoil and fighting and nations. You know what that is? That's the birth pangs. What are birth pangs? What does that mean? It's, 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 it's what it's saying is creation itself is groaning out saying it wasn't supposed to be this way. That's what it's saying. And by the way, it's not going to stay like this forever. There is a new heaven and a new earth coming. Yeah, there is. But here's the point and I'll close. Here it is. Where are you finding your security? Where is it? As much as I love you guys, as much as I, we, we should be, love people and care. But, but if your security is ultimately even found in another person, you're, you're, we can love people. And yes, we can trust people, but your ultimate trust must come from God. Where are you deriving your security from? As much as I love you guys, as much as I love being a pastor, my security can't come from you. As much as I love the fact if I preach a message, Pastor, thank you for that message. Matter of fact, last week, a lady on Facebook gave me a six. <laughs> six out of ten. She, she gave me a six. I guess I passed. I don't know, I mean, that's a 60, though. I don't know if that graded on a curve. 
As much as I love you and appreciate you, I can't derive my security from your opinion of me. Can I say something? And you can't derive your security from my opinion of you. We can only derive our security of God's opinion of us. We find our security in Christ. Come on. We find our security in Christ. So what have we learned today? Number one, everybody say in Christ. We're baptized in Christ. When we're in Christ, we're significant. When we're in Christ, we're sufficient. When we're in Christ, we're secure. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Every one of our campuses, those that are joining us online as well, if you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, if you're not sure if you die today, I want to pray with you. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus with simply just wherever you are, whatever campus you're at. Those of you online, I want you to let your campus host know that as well. Just simply raising your hand and saying, I'm trusting Christ. That's all you're doing. So I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus? If you died today, are you ready to stand before God? I can't save you, my friend. Church of the King can't save you. Don't ever let anybody tell you being a member of the church will save you. It's not true. It's only Jesus that saves. Whoever calls upon that name, the name of the Lord shall be saved. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up high. One, two, three. Just lift your hand up high so I can see it. I need Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you as well. God bless you, sir. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I want to call out to Jesus. I want to let go of my past. God bless you right there, man. God bless you up top. Church family, with all of us coming before the Lord right now, let's in harmony and unity with our brothers and sisters, those that are trusting Christ. By the way, this is the most important prayer you can ever pray. Let's pray this with them. Can we do this? All of us together, let's pray this. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this, say, Jesus, I repent of my sin, I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this, say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Man, what a great message. I am so encouraged, and I believe every one of you are as well. And listen, if you're out there right now, and maybe God is stirring something in your heart, maybe there's something you're walking through that you'd like to to share with somebody or maybe receive prayer for, we have an incredible team of online hosts that would be honored and thrilled to talk with you and connect with you as you're going through life and and maybe some trials in life. We would love to be able to pray with you, to talk to you and to partner with you and come alongside you as your church family. Listen, you don't have to go through life alone. Yes, and if you're giving your life to Jesus today, I just want to say a big congratulations. You are set free. You were made new. You are forgiven and loved by God. And we cannot wait to walk alongside you as you start this new journey of following Christ. And if you're watching this live, there's going to be some instructions on the screen or in the chat room right now. And this will help you uh, let us know some more information about yourself, share your story with us, and then point you to some great resources to help you on this new journey.
And hey, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while. You've been, you've been following God, but you're wondering, what's next for me? Can I encourage you with that today? Maybe joining our online host dream team is exactly what's next for you. You can do that by going through our next steps classes, which are on demand anytime that works for your schedule. And you can go through there and join our online host team and use your gifts and your abilities to serve God by serving other people. Yes, and we cannot wait to see how God uses this as you take this next step. And we can't wait to see you next week. Same time. Same place. We love you guys. Have a great week.